church. Hasn't it turned out to be just a, such a lovely morning out outside today? Man, can't wait to just praise God for that. I'd like to welcome you, especially if you're new here. Uh, we'd like to just uh, let you know that we're so excited that you're here. Hope to meet you. Uh, if you're watching online this morning, we'd like to just invite you to not be shy and uh, just mention that you're watching online uh, in the chat. And then uh, always just feel, feel free to um, contact the uh, online hosts if you need prayer, if you have any questions or whatever it may be. This morning, I'd like to just ask you to just stand as we, as we prepare our hearts to go into a time of worship. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27 is the story of Jesus calming the storm. And it says this here. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. I feel like that's us. Why are you so afraid? How many of you are afraid this morning or in different situations where it feels like waves are just crashing in? Then Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Church this morning, everything obeys Christ. Everything living and breathing obeys Christ. And let's worship him in that this morning. Above all kings. This is amazing. 
the praise of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Father. you 
the leaders of our prayer team, many of the elders or staff or even small group leaders that come to the front here. Now is the time of the service in which we take in order to pray for you. You know, there's an old song that I was thinking about and some of the lyrics go, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what pain we needlessly bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And so you're coming here today and you have stuff, right? I have stuff. We all have stuff. But the good thing is that God is big enough in order to carry and burden all of our stuff. And so at this time, we would invite you to come forward and pray with the individuals at the front. I mean, Kyle and the band will play some music, and then he'll pray to close. But please do come forward. Uh, it may seem small to you, but if you can take that burden and throw that on to God, I mean, that's what this time is for. Thank you.
Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling And oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ We sing, leave behind. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling No, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus
morning for all that you're doing in our lives. Pray that you would just prepare our hearts for your message to receive your word. And I pray that you would open, open our minds to receive something new. To learn a new amazing glory about you, Father. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated.
Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are here with us today. I hope everyone is enjoying the beautiful weekend. It was nice. Hope you got outside yesterday, but we are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you are a first-time guest with us this morning, we are glad that uh, you are with us. If you're watching online, um, there's a place for you to uh, just to connect with us there. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us here, um, you've got a connection card in your chair, and so you can take a moment to fill that out. There's a box you can drop it in on the way um, out this morning just to let us know that you were with us. If we can pray for you in any way, there's a place for you to share that on the back of that connection card if you're watching online. Um, our online hosts are available to pray with you as well. Um, but I just want to encourage you to let us know that uh, you were here so we can celebrate that with you. So you can text, you can sign in, you can fill out the connection card, you can scan the QR code. <laughs> we, we are so, we're glad people are with us and uh, we won't be able to celebrate that. And then I just want to encourage you, if you have not yet uh, downloaded our app or checked out our website, um, I want to encourage you to do that, especially as we move through the fall. We have a lot of exciting things that... Um, opportunities for people to get connected and build relationships. I know our guys are going to be meeting tomorrow um, here at Springbrook. Um, I think it is at, uh, it doesn't have the time on, I think it's seven o'clock, um, but they're going to be watching um, a ball game and they're going to be grilling and they're going to be playing bags. And so I know quite a few uh, men have already signed up for that. So if you want more information about that, um, just go to our website or um, uh, check that registration link out on the app. Um, we have a spiritual gifts class coming up, and so I know many of you have expressed an interest uh, in our next uh, spiritual gifts class, and so if you've been through Starting Point and you're just uh, looking to understand your gifts, looking for a place to get connected to serve, I want to encourage you to jump in uh, on that class. Right now it's about 50% full, and so that registration will fill up quickly, and so if you are interested, uh, be sure to, uh, to jump in uh, to register for that as quickly as possible. Our seniors are going to be getting together on the 17th. They're going to be watching The Jesus Revolution, which, by the way, is a great movie. Um, I watched that uh, last month. I'd heard enough people talking about it. I thought, we'll give it a try. Um, but uh, they're going to be watching a movie. They're going to be having a pizza party, and so they're going to have a great time here um, as well on the 17th. And so if you are in that category and you're interested in coming together with them, just uh, fill out the uh, registration line. You do have to pay, and so I think there's an $8 fee for that, but you need to register for that um, Friday before the uh, event. And then um, we have a fall festival coming up at the end of October. Um, we are going to have, we have a tent, we have a bouncer, we're going to have a chili cook-off. And so if you like chili, you like to cook chili, now's the time to drag that recipe out. So we're going to have a uh, contest, we've got some games, prizes, and so um, if you want more information about that, um, you can find that on our website, our app as well. But mark your calendars now, we're going to have a, a fantastic time, and we hope this is a great opportunity for you to bring uh, friends and family as well. So if you want more information, uh, just uh, find it there. And then uh, lastly, um, we have almost 1,000 homes that you are praying for in our community. And so I want to thank you if you've signed up for that. I know, that's, that's a big deal. You know, we are praying that the Spirit of God would go before us uh, as we seek to connect with our uh, community and raise up passionate disciples. And we have almost got uh, 1,000 homes being prayed for by 25 of you. And so if you have already signed up for that, um, I would encourage you uh, just to continue to pray for your neighbors. Thank you uh, for that. If you have not had a chance to sign up for it, please jump in and help us to begin to pray for our community. And so it would be awesome if we got to 1,000, then to 5,000. There's uh, 350,000 people in our community. And so um, this is an opportunity for us just to be praying for um, our community. So if you have any questions about that, again, our website, our app, you can scan the QR code. And we try to make that as easy as possible for people to, uh, to jump in. So please let us know if you have any questions about that. Um, we are kicking off. Uh, this is week one of our trite, not true series. Uh, for the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at some phrases that 
kind of creep into the church. They're phrases that we commonly use, but sometimes if, uh, even though we're well-intentioned, but we could potentially be misleading people. We don't understand uh, kind of the meaning behind these statements. And so uh, we are in week one um, today, and all of our small groups are going to be uh, kicking off their studies um, next week. And so if you're in a small group and you have not yet picked up your workbook, um, we have some copies of those out in the uh, lobby. There's a table out there. You can pick one of those up. And if you're not in a small group, uh, you can go through that series uh, with us as well. Um, we're going to be looking for the next seven weeks at various statements that we need to be um, using caution with whenever we uh, use those. Now, you might look at this list and some of them not be, might not be familiar. I did not grow up in a in a, in a Christian church. I was 33 years old when I came to faith, and so um, so a lot of the phrases that get thrown around kind of go over my head. In fact, uh, when I first became a believer, I was 33 years old, and uh, the first Easter, people kept coming up to me and going, He is risen. I said, Amen. He is risen. I said, Amen. And, and I finally had a friend pull me by and said, No, you're supposed to say, Indeed. <laughs> right? And so we throw these phrases around sometimes, just assuming that everybody understands what they are, and sometimes we don't. So you might look through this list and think, Well, I've never heard that one. Well, this will be a, an education for you as we go through this uh, series. Um, I want to encourage you to get the best use of your time as we move through this. You know, make coming to this uh, series each week um, a priority. And so we're going to be um, looking at, um, at statements that are really important for us to be able to understand, especially if you use them. I don't, I've heard uh, some of the statements before, you know, let go and let God. There's different open doors is what we're looking at today. And um, I learned more about open and closed doors this past week. And so uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. But um, join us each week. Talk with others about what you're learning. And so this is a great topic of conversation uh, in your workplace, in your school, with your neighbors. It's like, you know, especially if somebody uses the phrase, that gives you an opportunity to work into spiritual conversations. Uh, but talk with others as we go through this series about what you're learning. Get involved in a small group. And then uh, utilize our Right Now Media account. And so we have uh, Right Now Media is available to everyone at Springbrook. And so if you're not in a small group and you want to go through this series with us, um, I want to encourage you, you can sign up for that um, uh, on our website. Uh, you can text small group or you can text right now uh, to that phone number or on our website as well. You can sign up for that. But we don't want you to, uh, to miss out on this. In fact, last week I got a call from Right Now Media. They wanted to know um, of all the churches that they've launched uh, in this uh, in Illinois, Springbrook has one of the highest percentages of engagement. <laughs> so good job, everybody. <laughs> so we have, uh, we have 30% of our online audience is using it to watch videos for their kids. Um, our small groups are using it. But right now, media has got some great resources for you individually. And so you can sort by topic, by book of the Bible. And so if you want to know more information about uh, right now, you can check that um, out. Today we're looking at um, when God closes a door, um, he opens a window. And so that's going to be our topic for today. And at the heart of this idea is that um, even when things aren't going the way that we think they should, that um, God wants what's best for us. And so, you know, just this past weekend, as I've, <laughs> as I've moved through this past weekend, um, I've reminded I have been uh, many times thought, well, this is not the way I thought it was going to go. Just in the last week, yesterday, <laughs> I said, wow, this is not the way I thought it was going to go. And so when those things happen, our minds have to be reminded that, that God does want what's best for us. And so that's what is at the heart of this expression. But the other thing that is, uh, the other idea that is embedded in that saying is that um, our happiness and our comfort 
is what is important to God. And so our happiness and our, our comfort are what's best for us. And so we think that way. And we want what's best for us, right? We don't have to go through pain or suffering or have our you know, calendars messed up or our agendas messed up. And so we want what's best for us. And we usually look at um, you know, happiness and comfort. You know, if you've ever had surgery or if you've had a filling in your teeth or if you've ever had uh, a lesson that you have learned the hard way, uh, that you, then you know that happiness and comfort are not always uh, what's best for us. Some things we have to endure are what's best for us, even though we're not happy about them. Or they don't bring us comfort. And so today we're going to be looking at um, open and, and closed doors or, or closed doors and open windows. And so I want to talk for a little bit about, about what a closed door is. You know, we've got open, uh, closed doors and open windows or open windows and closed doors. I've always heard opens a door and, uh, or closes a door. I've never heard the window one, but that is something that um, uh, is out there. In fact, um, I, I did a little bit of research out there. I was really surprised about you know, how many times that phrase is used. Um, looking back on my own life, I can see where God has uh, opened doors. You know, God opened a door uh, for our family when we had an opportunity to move down here to Springbrook. Um, God has opened doors for me when I had an opportunity to um, work at our previous church in Meadowland. God opened a door for us when, we, when I left my employment and went into ministry. And all throughout my job, God has opened doors for me. And, uh, but sometimes, you know, God closes a door. And I've, you know, but God opens doors and closes doors. Uh, but this past week, I've just been surprised at, at how many times I've run into the idea that God opens doors and closes doors. In fact, I got an email. I put this in here this morning. I got this yesterday. And uh, it's from our Converge uh, International Ministries. We have a partnership with our uh, Mid-America Southeast Caribbean District. And uh, we have a movement uh, in Cuba right now. And so I got this email that said, the Lord is opening new doors for us in Converge. Uh, and, and it's been interesting because just looking at this expression, I have seen it everywhere. And so I was on a website last week and, and something popped up and it, and it was right there. It said, when God opens a door, or when God closes the door, he opens a window. And then uh, I, I clicked the link to a Christian website, and it said this, when God closes the door, he always opens a window. And so from a Christian perspective, there's this idea that if we're not careful, creeps into it, that, hey, if things are not going the way that, that you think they should, then just hold on because God's got something better for you. And sometimes he doesn't. So we're going to talk about open and closed doors. I know Julie Andrews, uh, if you're in your uh, small group study this week, or if you've watched that video, I think uh, the uh, expression, the Lord closing a door and opening a window came up from, uh, what was that movie? It was, uh, uh, yeah, Sound of Music. Yeah, so Sound of Music. I don't like musicals. <laughs> I did watch it once. <laughs> so she got, I think that's kind of where the phrase supposedly kind of came to fruition. But then there's a Jeanette Mills Wells, and she is a, uh, she's a commentator and an author and a journalist, and I found this quote from her. When God closes a door, he opens a window, but it's up to you to find it. <laughs> and so it's like hide and seek, I guess. And so there's all kinds of different nuances around this um, expression. But I want to talk first about what it means to look at open doors. And so we're going to look at open doors first. The Bible is clear that God opens doors. And so when you read through Scripture, there's many passages that talk about God opening doors. Um, in Acts chapter 14, Paul and uh, Barnabas are in uh, Lystra, 
and uh, Paul is preaching and uh, teaching. And uh, beginning in verse 19 of chapter 14, it says the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, and they drug him out of the city, thinking that he was dead. When the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city. On the next day, he went out with Barnabas to Derbe. Then in verse 24, it says that they passed through Pisidia, and they came to Pamphylia, And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atlantia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded to the grace of God for the work that they had to fulfill. And then it says this in verse 27. And when they had arrived and they had gathered the church together, they had declared that all God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith. To the Gentiles. And so God opened up this door so that Paul could preach and teach about Christ uh, throughout this Macedonian area. And so Paul was beat. He was left for dead. But he's, he's telling this story. He's talking about the fact that God had opened doors up for him to enable him to do that. And so God's opening up a door for Paul led to being beat, left for dead, and, and facing adversity. And so sometimes when God opens doors for us, it's, it's not necessarily what's best for us, but what he wants to accomplish through us. And so open doors always point us to what God wants to accomplish through us. Open doors and closed doors are not for our benefit, for the, for the glory of God. Which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work has opened for me, and there are many adversaries. And so Paul recognizes that these open doors are opportunities for him to go in to preach the good news in spite of his circumstances. In this case, he's going to be facing adversaries. He's faced persecution, he's been beat, he's been left for dead, and he's, and he's going in to preach into, uh, uh, and staying in Ephesus, and he's calling that an open door. So God opens these doors for us but they're always for his purposes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says when he comes to Troas um, to preach the gospel of Christ, he came through a door that was opened for him in the Lord. My spirit was not at rest. I did not find my brother Titus there, so I didn't stay there. I took leave of them, and I went on to Macedonia. And so as you read, especially through Paul's writings, you just see the verbiage with clarity that God goes before us opening doors for his glory so that we can tell others about Christ. That's one of the things I love about our BLESS initiative. You know, we are praying that God would go before us to open doors with conversations with our friends, with our neighbors. You know, God's open doors, and that's not just for our comfort and our happiness, but for his purposes. In Colossians 4, Paul writes this, we are to pray for open doors. At the same time, pray also for us that God may Open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. And so I'm in prison, but pray that doors are opened so that I can share the good news about Christ with those around me. God opens doors. It's not always for our comfort or for our uh, happiness, but so that he can accomplish his purposes for his glory and so God does open doors, and so that is a biblical truth. God 
opens those doors for his purposes. And then also we know that God closes doors. And so God will open doors for us. He'll prepare the way for us. Um, He also closes doors to kind of move us in other directions. And so God does close doors, but it's always for the same reason as well. It's to accomplish his purposes and his plans and for his glory. In Acts chapter 6, Paul is uh, meeting up with uh, Timothy, and it's in Acts chapter 16. Paul meets up with Timothy. In verse 1, it says he came to Derbe and to Lystra. There was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And so Paul wanted to take Timothy to accompany him, so he took him and he had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they knew that his father was a Greek. And so he wanted to remove that barrier for Timothy to be able to effectively share his faith with the Jews. And so God's going to open up Timothy some doors, uh, but, you know, as a result, he's got to get circumcised before he goes in there. And so it says down in uh, verse 4, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for the observation of the decisions that have already been reached by the apostles and the elders who are in Jerusalem so that the churches could be strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. It says in verse 6 that they went throughout the region of uh, Fergi and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And so God had opened a door for them to be able to go, but then he closed the door for them as they got to the um, area of uh, Fergi and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word there. And so when they came up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, And the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there either. And so passing by uh, Messiah, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen that vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, it says, concluding that God had called us to preach to them there. And so God opened a door for Paul and Timothy um, to go into um, this area of Macedonia. But before he got there, he closed two doors to kind of to move him in that direction. And so Timothy would get circumcised. Paul would get thrown in prison. Uh, the, but, but even in the reality of that, is God is closing doors. And, and that's happening so that they could be moved to Macedonia where the word would be preached and God would be glorified. And so even in this closed door environment. God closes doors so that he can accomplish his purposes and for his glory. God closes doors for the same reason that he opens them. It's for his purposes and for his glory. In uh, Hebrews chapter 8, they're talking about the promises of God, and uh, we find uh, uh, Jesus is there. He's the high priest of a better covenant. We're going to see that God will close a door there as well. But in that verse that we just looked at, as he, as he was going through this town of Asia, the reality is, is that the doors were closed so that God's purposes could be accomplished. And we see that throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, that God closes doors for those same reasons. And then in Hebrews 8, we know that Jesus is a high priest. Um, we're talking about the promises of God. We're talking about the fact that we can find in Jesus uh, our hope, our salvation. He offers a better covenant um, he's speaking of a new covenant. The old one is going to be obsolete as you move into chapter 9. 
It says even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared in that first section in which there was a lampstand and a table and the bread of presence. It is called the holy place. In verse 3 it says behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. It had a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered it on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded in the temple and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim, the glory of overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. But in verse 6 he said, These preparations having been made so that the priests could go in there regularly to the first section to perform their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest was able to go. And he was only able to go once a year. And he was having to take blood with him for the sacrifice, which he offered up for himself and for the unintentional sins of his people. But then in verse 8, it says this. It says, By the Holy Spirit, it indicated a way into that holy place that was not yet opened as long as this first section is still standing. In other words, the Holy Spirit is blocking entrance into that innermost sanctuary of the, of the high place because there's a new plan coming. That's going to be Jesus. We're talking about the priesthood of Jesus here. The Holy Spirit indicates that the way into that holy place is not yet opened as long as this first section is still standing, which is symbolic of the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot uh, perfect uh, the conscience of the worshiper. And so there's a place in this inner sanctuary that is closed off and will not be opened until Christ dies on the cross. And so that door into that holy place was shut so that God could accomplish his plans and his purposes through Christ on the cross. And when Jesus died, that temple curtain was torn open and given us, given us all access to this holy place. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these words, the words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and who no one will shut, who shuts and no one's opens. I know your works. I have, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And so this inner sanctuary that was closed under the old covenant has been made open now as a result of the work of Christ on the cross. And so there's this open door that is now available to us through faith in Christ. We have access to the inner place of where God is. We have one mediator between us and our Father. We have Jesus Christ through that. And so that is an open door that we all are invited to walk through. In every case, as you're reading through these open and closed doors, in every case, it is always for God, for his purposes, and for his glory. You see, God does open doors, and God does close doors, but they're always for his purposes and for his glory, which is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you, whatever you do, whether you eat, you drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And so everything that we do is for the glory of God. The experiences that we are having are for the glory of God. The open and closed doors that we're experiencing are for the glory of God all to accomplish his plans and his purposes. God has purposed in his plan to seek for himself glory, 
God chose us to be people for his glory. Isaiah 43, I will say to the north, give up. To the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, whom I formed and who I made. And so God has chosen us for his glory to accomplish his purposes. The psalmist writes in 106, Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. They rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea, yet he saved them for his purpose, for his name's sake, that he might be made known and his power might be known for his glory. And so God has purposed these open and closed doors to accomplish what he wants to accomplish so that he can be glorified. God has created us for his glory. God has called Israel to himself for his glory. God raised up Pharaoh as a demonstration of his power for his glory. God defeated Pharaoh at the Red Sea for his glory. God spared Israel in the wilderness for his glory. I read through, just reading through the Old Testament, the work of God is done for his glory. He saved Israel in victory for his glory. He did not cast away his people for his glory. He saved Jerusalem from attack for his glory. He restored all of, all of Israel from the exile for his glory. Everything that happens is, is for God's glory. And so that is our focus. When we think about open and closed doors, it's about thinking through what has God got have for me in this? What is his purpose that he wants to accomplish? How can I bring him glory? And that's the model that we see as we move into the New Testament as well. Everything that Jesus did or expected was for his Father's glory. Jesus told us to do good works for his Father's glory. Jesus said that he had the ability to answer our prayers so that his Father might be glorified. In John 14, 13, it says this, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. And so when we come into these open and closed doors, as we think about God's plan and his purposes for us, as we pray, we should be thinking about God's glory. If we are praying in Jesus' name for the purpose of God's glory, this I will do. And so it even, it even helps us to understand how to navigate our, our prayer life. Jesus endured his final hours on the cross for God's glory. In John 12, 27. He says, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And so even as Jesus thinks about enduring and suffering on the cross is a, a purpose that God wants to accomplish as he builds a relationship with us and extends forgiveness to us. And, and all of this is happening for God's glory. We have been called into relationship with Jesus for his glory. We have been created to do the works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And so God's got a plan and a purpose for each of us. Last week we saw in John 17, we saw Jesus pray for the, uh, the sanctification of believers. And we saw Jesus also prayed for those that would believe in him through them. You know what else was in that prayer? If you guessed that God would be glorified was in that prayer, you'd be right. Because <laughs> he also prayed for his Father's glory. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. 
glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all the flesh to give eternal life to whom all you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so Jesus' prayer is for the believers and the non-believers, but he's also praying that all this work together for God's glory. You know, we, we cannot even have faith in Christ. We cannot even have faith unless we seek God's glory in every aspect of our life. Jesus said in John 5, 44, how can you believe when you are looking to receive glory from something else? How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Our faith is rooted in the intention of bringing glory to God with our lives. And if that is not the end means for our living our lives, then we have to step back and question what it means to have faith. You know, God has called us into a relationship with himself to accomplish his plans and his purposes in every single circumstance in our life. And Jesus warns us that not seeking God's glory, that, that's what makes faith possible. Not seeking God's glory, it makes faith impossible. There's a link. And so glorifying God should be our first priority. And he opens and closes doors for that purpose. God opens doors and God closes doors. And all of that happens as a result of his purposes and for his glory. And so what do we do when things are not going the way they think they should? So that all sounds well and good, Pastor Rich, but uh, you don't know what's going on in my life. And so how do we navigate through those difficult circumstances when, when things are not going the way that we think they should? And I'm going you know, to tell you this past week, um, I have personally had to navigate through this. Um, and so there are, there are passages that I go to for scripture that are encouragement to me. At the end of the day, um, I know that ultimately I have to trust God I have to trust God for wisdom, and I have to trust God for guidance, even when I don't understand why things are the way they are. And that's what Proverbs 3 calls us to do. We are to trust in the Lord our God with all of our heart. We're not to lean on our own understanding. We are to, in all our ways, acknowledge him, and then it is then that he will make our way straight. And so when we are struggling, when there are things going on in, in our life, our first thought should be to turn to God. We need to place our trust in him and lean not on our understanding. There are some things that we are just not going to understand. We don't get to see the whole big picture, but we are not trusting in our ability to see the big picture. We're trusting that God is sovereign, that he has a plan and a purpose for our life, and we don't lean on our understanding, but we turn in all of our ways to acknowledge him, to seek him and his glory in every circumstance. You know, in Psalm 34, 18, it's an encouragement for us to be able to acknowledge that uh, unhappiness and brokenness are reality. They are a part of the human experience. Psalm 34, 18 says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. You know, unhappiness, brokenness, the things that we're experiencing in life when things don't go our way, those are all a part of the human experience. There's nothing that you are experiencing that somebody else hasn't already experienced. There's nothing new under the sun. 
And so they are a part of being human, but know that God offers closeness and support. And so we turn to God in these times. You know, I've got a kneeler in my office, and so I love to kneel when I pray. And so when we offer the upfront prayer, it's an opportunity for us to come to, to pray, and we're turning to God in our brokenness, in our pain, in our suffering. And we're also turning to God when things are going well. And so it's especially important to step back when things are going well, because when things are going well, we forget about God, and we start thinking things are going according to our plan, and we forget that things are not always going to go according to our plan. But when we are going through trials and tribulations, when we're experiencing brokenheartedness and we're crushed in spirit, it says that God is near to us. And so I know that I can trust him, that he is sovereign, that he has a plan, that he does know what's best for us. And I know that he is near to me. In uh, Philippians 4, Paul reminds us to find contentment and strength in God. Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know what it means to be brought low. I have experienced lowness. I don't know what you're experiencing, but Paul has experienced lowness. He says, I know what it means to be brought low. And I know what it means to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. It's knowing and acknowledging that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so it's not our own ability to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Sometimes there's, there's no bootstraps to pull up. You know, we have to come to understand, like Paul, that the secret for our being able to navigate our circumstances of open and closed doors comes from trusting God, knowing that he is near to us, and finding contentment in who we are in Christ. And then in Romans 12, it encourages us to just be there for one another. You know, we are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, but Romans 12 says we're to rejoice with those who rejoice. We're to weep with those who weep. You know, we're, we're called to come alongside of and encourage one another. And so when we are going through pain and trials and tribulations and struggles, that's a great opportunity for us to be able to reach out to somebody around us and say, would you pray with me? Would you celebrate with me? You know, we are a part of the body of Christ. You know, we are here to love and care for one another. And when we're going through trials and tribulations, we need to share that with others so that they can pray with us. I don't know about you. Sometimes when, when I'm going through a trial, uh, my first thought is to try and get in my own head to try to figure out, you know, a solution. And so I typically will, um, going through a trial, try to figure out how to fix it myself. And then if I'm really in a pickle, um, then I might talk to somebody. And if it's really bad, then you're going to get a prayer text from me. <laughs> You know, we try to handle things on our own, but if we're going through trials, if we're going through brokenness, if things are not going the way that you think they should, you need to acknowledge that before God. You need to acknowledge it, and you need to place your trust in Him, and you, and you need to and, and to find contentment in just knowing that God knows what's best for you. And then you can turn to others to find um, encouragement. God opens doors, and God closes doors. And those open doors and closed doors are all for his purposes and for his glory. It is true that God opens doors and closes doors, or that God closes doors and opens windows. And so there's an element of truth to that. That catchy expression, you know, closing a door and he's always going to open a window, that's, that's not true. That is, that's a half-truth. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he shows us a different path, and sometimes he doesn't. 
the key to not being disappointed when things don't go our way is to ensure that all things that we are doing are working together for his good. We can trust him. We can acknowledge our circumstances and ask him to pray. We can be content like Paul and secure in knowing that we are in Christ and we can encourage one another in the faith as we pray for one another. And so I just want to encourage you this morning as we think about um, moving into this uh, study next week in your small group guide, you're going to look at some of these same passages. And so I want to encourage you though, as you're reading through your studies next week, to really be open with the people in your group. This is an opportunity for you to, to wrestle through um, those areas in your life that you are struggling, and it's okay to do that. We're to encourage one another. We're to weep with those that are weeping. We're to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. It's an opportunity for us to remind ourselves that, hey, you have a relationship with Christ, and, and God's got a plan for you, and he is going to strengthen you, and he is going to see you through it. And it's got a reminder for us to be able to, to trust him and not to rely on, on understanding. And we can encourage one another and pray through one another through that. But this morning, if, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you know, the open and closed doors phrase, you know, those, that doesn't work. Because, you know, apart from our faith and our intentionality of trying to bring glory to God with our lives, the open door analogy just breaks down completely. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, I want to encourage you to start there. If you've got questions about that, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. If, if you need to take steps of faith in that area, we'd love to help you take steps of faith. If you're going through something right now, it's a difficulty and we can pray for you, please let us know how you can how we can pray for you. You can text uh, next steps. Uh, you can scan that QR code. There's a couple different keywords for you to be able to use. But we want to we want to come alongside one another as we're going through this series to encourage one another, pray for one another, so that we're all strengthened in the faith. And if you've got any questions, um, please feel free to uh, to reach out. And if you would like to talk to somebody about a relationship with Christ or where you are with your faith, um, our pastoral staff, um, our elders, um, any of our leaders would love the opportunity to do with that help you with that. But as we go through this series, let's be praying together that God would root us uh, in the reality of who we are in Christ, that we would be encouraged and grow in our faith. And I uh, hope you'll continue with us as we move through this series. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this day you've given us today. And um, God, I thank you that uh, you have opened doors for us ultimately, to be able to have a relationship with your son, that, that most holy place, you know, that, that curtain was torn open, and, and we have direct access to you right, right now, and so that is a gift. And so, Father, thank you for, uh, for that open door. And uh, thank you for the opportunity we have to encourage one another. I know that doors are opened, uh, doors are closed, and God, we know that all of these happen uh, for you and for your purposes. And so I pray that we could just be able to uh, encourage one another, and uh, we look forward to all that you have for us. And uh, God, we lift uh, this day up to you for you and for your glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Perhaps creation loves to sing of all you've done. Thus joy is mine. With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone reserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs, a thousand try with a thousand hallelujahs we magnify your name you alone deserve the glory the honor and the praise Lord Jesus this song is forever yours a thousand hallelujahs a thousand
we magnify your name you alone deserve the glory the honor and the praise lord jesus this song is forever yours a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more dear heavenly father god we just thank you that you allow us to just praise your name to give you a thousand hallelujahs to praise you in the hardships in the moments in which we may need you the most father god you don't desert us you don't forsake us god you constantly remind us that you are just knocking at the door father god we just thank you so much for being so amazing so great and so gracious to us things in your name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for joining us this morning for our corporate time of worship, for our corporate teaching. We hope to see you next week, and if you haven't signed up for a small group yet, please do so if you feel led to go in peace to love and serve our awesome God. Eyes are turning to you.